Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. For many freelance writers, working alone can feel satisfying, except when it doesn't. Without a collaborator to share ideas and opinions, you may feel blocked. A survey on LinkedIn even revealed that 52% of writers struggle with being stuck. If you're one of them, book a session with Ivy Magic. Creative director Jeannie Ivy's vast experience collaborating with writers can help you unlock your brightest, most effective work yet. Learn more at thativymagic.com slash collaboration. B2B is an absolutely fabulous niche. That's why Kaylee and I work in the space. Today's sponsor is the B2B Writing Institute, which is run by Sarah Griesenbach, an incredibly talented former teacher turned freelance writer with 10 years experience in business-to-business writing. Sarah can teach you how to show, not sell, which means educating and explaining what you do rather than pushing sales. If you're interested in writing blogs, white papers, and case studies for B2B clients, even if you have no experience, head to b2bwritinginstitute.com and sign up for Sarah's email newsletter. I subscribe and I can tell you it'll make you laugh and make more money at the same time. These days when I am on social media, particularly on LinkedIn and Twitter, I see a lot of freelance writers marketing themselves as specializing in B2B or B2B SaaS. So some of you listening might know what this means. You might be writing in this area and ecosystem and others might be like, I don't know what that is or what you're talking about. But I think it's important for us to chat about because it's an area that we work in and it's a very lucrative area for freelance writers or at least traditionally has been. And it's something that lots of people are marketing themselves as. And it's like, is everyone a B2B writer? Like what's going on here? So Kaylee, I'd love if you could start by sharing how you fell into this area. And then we can we can talk about like what is B2B SaaS and talk a little bit about where it fits into the freelance writing landscape. Yeah. So when I started freelance writing, I was doing a lot of different things. I was writing for my local newspaper. I was doing some website copywriting for a local web design company who needed copywriting for those web pages. I was doing a little bit of blog content, I think for my local PBS station, basically just like reaching out to people and saying, do you need help with this? And then serendipitously, you and I connected over Twitter. You were working at a B2B SaaS company, Grasshopper at the time, as the editor there. And long story short, you and I got to talking and you heard that I was looking for freelance work and kind of went out on a limb and hired me. And that was my first experience in that world. I had no context or reference point to it before that, but kind of learned as I went. And I feel like at the time it was kind of a It wasn't brand new, but it definitely wasn't the market that it is today. I feel like it's grown by leaps and bounds since, you know, 10 10 years ago that you and I started working together. So maybe you can help set the stage. That's how I fell into it. I'm curious how you got into it too. And maybe you can talk a little bit about Grasshopper and how you ended up in that environment as well. Yeah. So when I first 
like I got my first job, I worked in an agency. It was a content marketing agency. It was really like a content mill kind of place. And for whatever reason, they put me on the technology desk. And that was chance. And I was disappointed when they did that because I was like, <laughs> I'm not technical. Why didn't you put me on lifestyle? Right? <laughs> like, I, I was not excited. And I was writing about topics like, and and what we created was like not great content, but it was like really general stuff about like cloud computing and 3D printing and like other new technologies. And the job was horrible. And I started looking around and this is also before like content marketing was, was just getting like really, really yeah, big. New. Yeah. And I applied for this role at Grasshopper and Grasshopper creates a phone system for entrepreneurs, basically. Like it allows you to get a phone number, kind of like Google Voice. And there's an app and you can, you, you basically like have a business phone number that you can make calls and text from. So you don't have to use your regular number. It's like a fairly simple product in that way. Um, but they were hiring a content marketing specialist and I was working on the technology desk and there was like some technology involved, but Grasshopper really marketed themselves to small business owners, like actually like you and people like you and me that that might need a phone number or even like, I don't know, some like a landscaper. There were all kinds of businesses that used the tool. So I got this job and it was actually a really amazing company to work for. I had the most amazing manager there who I am still in touch with. We still have calls once a month, if you can believe that. He is now wow. a consultant and starting his own SaaS business. But yes, him and I are, are still really close. It was a really amazing job. I learned so much. And all that to say, like that was kind of my first introduction to getting into the world of B2B, which stands for business to business, and SaaS, which is software as a service. So why don't we talk a little bit about B2B SaaS and like what that even is? Yeah. So when somebody says B2B SaaS, basically, you know, it can be pretty broad, but it's referring to enterprise companies, startups, product-led growth companies, or companies that are entirely self-service even, that have a sales team. And so they're selling software as a service, which is basically, it allows users to connect and use cloud-based apps over the internet. So the software is a subscription, right? They're paying for it month over month. Sometimes, not always, Kaylee. Like it can, they can also right. buy a license. They can buy a license, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of nuance here. It can get a, a little bit hairy. This is why it's broad, right? Sometimes they have a sales team. Sometimes they don't. But it's basically like just a cloud based app that you can use over the right. Internet. So some exa- some examples of this would be like HubSpot is a software as a service, right? You you pay a monthly fee to or get a license to use their online tool month after month or for six months, whatever, right? So that's one example, like Adobe Photoshop, their cloud offering is software as a service. Yeah. So that's what it is when we talk about software as a service. Yes. And like, there's also just like such a range in what the softwares can do. So you have anything from like QuickBooks that allows you to do accounting to like really technical tools that allow you to do all this stuff with like coding and programming that I don't understand, right? There's like project <laughs> management tools. There's all kinds of stuff under this umbrella. But like the whole and the B2B part of it is that it's businesses that are selling to other businesses. So it's basically like 
you know, uh, like QuickBooks is selling their accounting software to other businesses, right? Their business selling to other businesses. And this is in contrast from B to C, which is business to consumer, which would be like Bank of America would be business to consumer. Although I guess they also do business to business. <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah, I know. That's like a fashion company. Like a fashion company, exactly. Madewell sells their, they're a business that sells their products to consumers not to other businesses. Classic B2C. And you will see an enterprise like Bank of America hire for their B2B sector and their B2C sector, right? Like they have different marketing materials for both of those. It's kind of like if a real estate agent is buying houses and also selling houses, right? Like it's just it's just two arms. And like, I think sometimes people say like, oh, they're so different, there is nuance and differences to how things are bought and sold in those different spaces, but ultimately you're marketing towards humans. And I've never had an issue really switching between the mm-hmm. two, um, even though I specialize in B2B. Like, what's your experience with that? Do you feel like you could kind of switch back and forth? Yeah. And I think that I do, because I think that a lot of my reporting and journalism type work is very much about businesses that are e-commerce. So they're businesses selling to consumers but then I, I spend a lot of my time in writing for clients who are in that B2B software space too. So just really understanding how marketing works and and like the collective decision-making that goes into getting a company to commit to buying a type of software or using a new tool for their workflow or whatever it is. It's, there's a, there is a lot of overlap. I think it's kind of a Venn diagram. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's talk about why so many people are doing it, though. I think that that's kind of the elephant in the room. Like, why is everyone marketing themselves in this way? Why is it so, so popular? I want I want you to talk about this because, again, you're coming from, like, the epicenter of this. Oh, my tech- gosh. I love when you're like, Emma, you're in Silicon Valley. Like, we, yeah. we, we recorded a previous episode, and you're like, what do you think about AI? You're in Silicon Valley. And I was like, ah, I don't know. No, I mean, whoop you with the microphone. Tell me now. <laughs> Automatic Evergreen, a fully managed newsletter service that uses your existing content and one-to-one interviews to develop fresh content for a weekly email newsletter. Their team of experts creates the landing page, newsletter copy, and template. They even upload, format, and schedule the email so you never need to log into the email provider. Their goal is to provide a well-written, cash-flowing, on-time newsletter every single week that requires little to no time from you. Schedule a free discovery call today at yourweekly.email. Ever heard test your marketing but have no idea how to do that? Social, Google, cold pitches, newsletters, marketing can be an exhausting grind. What if you knew how to choose the best channels for your business? Growth Trackers is a membership for creative business owners who want to stay booked with less energy. Take charge of your leads when you learn how to find your get booked formula. Become a growth tracker at supereasydigital.com slash growth trackers. Use code fulltime freelance for 5% off your membership. No, it's, it is interesting because I do live in that, like, I think I take for granted some of the conversations that I hear happen, right? Like living here, like, you know, I might go to a, like a party and people are talking about like self-driving cars or something. And like half the time I just like tune it out, but like that's what people (laughs) talk about. Like people, like, I mean, everybody like, it seems to be an engineer or married to one. Um, anyway, so let's, yeah, let's talk about like what 
are these tools. Like, I think the other thing about living where I live is like, this is where a lot of the venture capitalists are. So they fund a lot of these tools. But basically, like, these companies are sometimes bootstrapped, which means that, um, like, they don't take on any funding. They often have substantial venture capitalists or venture capital. And it means they, well, they often have money to spend on high quality writers. And this is because of a couple of reasons. First of all, software as a service companies are extremely lucrative and they have extremely high potential to be lucrative because they can basically scale up and reach tens, th- hundreds of thousands of people with a very small team. So when we worked at Grasshopper, when I worked at Grasshopper, we had like 40 or 50 people and we served like 100,000 plus customers or something. So it was like a really small team, but we were able to scale up this software. And like, as a result, the like company was making like millions and millions of dollars. I don't like remember those those numbers. And then was ultimately bought and acquired for like over a hundred million. I don't remember the exact numbers or, but right. Like, so these are like huge numbers for a really, really small team. And so like, that is why VCs invest in software as a service companies if they're well run. And like, you think about companies like Notion or like Asana, or I'm trying to think of the yeah, ones Trello. that are like the most- yeah, they're like almost household Monday. Name. Com. Yeah. Yeah. And that these reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people with relatively small teams. So they have really high margins. And that means they have money to spend. The other thing is that these services are bought and sold online. They are cloud apps. They're bought and sold online. So they rely, they usually rely heavily on content marketing. Um, they rely on it for SEO because they're they're banking on someone typing like best project management tool and having themselves pop up. And often it's self-service, so they don't have a sales team. Sometimes they do, but like they might, you might be able to sign up for the tool without ever talking to someone. That's another reason that it's very lucrative. So they rely heavily on content marketing for the SEO component, but building brand awareness, plus educating their audience on how to use the tool. So they have all this need for writing. Then they also need copywriting for conversion because if someone lands on the website and they're not talking to a sales salesperson, and often what happens in product-led growth companies is you can sign up and then if you're really using it a lot, sales will get in touch with you. But they need this really good conversion copywriting to convince someone to sign up without ever talking to someone. Because of all this, they really, really need good writing. It's like, a, it's not just like this nice to have for their business. In some ways, it like it is their marketing. It, it, it is how they get people in the door. And for that reason, they're willing to hire and pay freelance writers and content marketing consultants and really good copywriters and creative agencies, like a a big chunk of change in order to do this. And they need lots and lots of content. And so that's kind of like the reason. But I think it is interesting that so many writers kind of specialize in it without technical backgrounds. And I'm curious, like what you see, like, do you think people are leaning into this too heavily or it makes sense. Like, what do you think? I don't think it's for everyone because I do think that you do kind of have to have this foundational understanding of how marketing works, how content marketing specifically works, 
basically, are you able to grasp how these software tools work? Do you have understanding of the principles around storytelling and conversion copywriting and persuasion and rhetoric to get people to take action and do the things these companies want you to do? Not to mention, you know, conversion rate optimization, search engine optimization. All of these are fairly technical skills that can take some training and some there's there's programs and and you could I mean there's endless blog posts out there that you could read for free and get a massive education on how to do these things but not everybody wants to do that because it is you know it's very different from writing for a company like a nonprofit or you know a local newspaper or a different type of business because it's very objective driven it's very much okay, the content marketing team is doing this and we're going to report back to leadership. And if it's not performing at this level, then we need to change things or we need to cut people. It's kind of cutthroat. You know, it's not a, it's not an easy peasy. Let's write this nice little blog post and see how it goes. It's very much objective oriented. And so, you know, 10 years ago when 24 year old me was just booping along and, and fell into this world of software as a service and the, especially these enterprise B2B companies, I didn't even know what I was signing up for. It was just kind of right place, right time. And since then, this world of venture capital and and angel investing and all of these things, it's grown so much and it continues to grow. And so it's still really lucrative. But what's happening right now is I think we're at a weird time and we're going to talk more about this in another episode. But it's a weird time because now people at these companies are trying to decide okay, well, do we need these great writers that we depend on so much to come in-house and work for us as part of our core internal team? Or is it cheaper and more you know, physically responsible for us to work with a freelancer who you don't have to pay you know, their healthcare and their retirement and all those things? Or use AI tools because I think that, yeah, I think what happens in like the problem, like this is just a business problem is that the objectives business objectives are not necessarily aligned with ethics or even high quality all the time, right? So there's some trade-offs that they're willing to make to to save some capital, basically. I'm curious for you, when you got into this space and you were doing the technical writing, and maybe even since then, as you continue to do it, is there any resources you found that have been really, really helpful at helping you either stay on top of how things are changing or helped you get up to speed with like how to do your job well? Well, I think, and you've heard me give this advice before, Kaylee, is that I think the biggest education for me was getting a job at a B2B SaaS company. I don't think it's the only way to skin a cat. Like, I know that wasn't a path that you took, but for me, that gave me so much foundational business knowledge and technical knowledge that I could not have gained in another way. I think it's actually probably the reason that I'm really comfortable working with engineers and developers on really technical tools in a way that you you don't, for example. And I don't say that as a criticism at all. I mean, it's just like, I think you're actually working on like cooler, sexier stuff, but I'm kind of in this world where I'm really comfortable working in that space because I like, that's kind of where I was raised as a content marketer. So I think the other thing that I was going to say is that when it comes to freelancers positioning themselves in this space, Like, I see a lot of writers that don't understand the business fundamentals of, like, why people buy software or how they do it. And they're just missing, like, 
how an organization functions. And I mean, that is information that you can learn over time. But I think like you can slap B2B SaaS writer on your LinkedIn profile because you know it's a lucrative niche, but not actually like have a deep understanding of how these companies operate. Yeah, I think that that's a really good way to get yourself in a really sticky situation. And I I remember doing it early on, thinking like, oh, I've done this before, I can do it again. And then getting into an assignment and being like, whoa, this is way over my head. This is way too technical. I have no idea. I'm so far out of my depths here. And so in those instances, I think what helped me was being able to, number one, be resourceful and do the Googling, do the reading, do the research, but then also finding experts and point people that I could talk to either internally or externally. And people who were way smarter than me and had that deep subject matter expertise and saying, can you tell me about this? Can I interview you for this? Can I ask you questions about this? And then letting their voice be the thing that kind of took over in the article rather than mine because I had no clue what I was doing. So again, that interviewing, knowing how to do that well and reaching out to the right people and again, being resourceful and making those connections, that's kind of a good workaround for when you find yourself in those moments, which I don't think anybody wants to find themselves in that situation. But if you do, that's, that's one way to solve the problem is find people who are smarter than you and who know more about it and ask them questions. Yes. And like, don't be shy about asking a zillion questions. I still, when working with technical software products, ask so many questions. I really try and like understand the space, what it's for, what like, and, and like, most of the time, the team, like they know you're not an engineer, right? Like they're, they would have hired someone else if they needed an engineer. So they're usually very happy to answer the questions about how it all operates. I mean, that's kind of the, there's like two aspects that I see. One is like understanding kind of how things might work technically. And then there's how things work from a business perspective. And those are like two different types of knowledge. But I think it's really important to try and get as much context and information. Don't be afraid to have the conversations. Ask the questions that, like, even if they seem really dumb questions to you, like, don't, I I don't think, I don't think, like, I don't think you come across as dumb if you ask questions that seem very basic. Well, I think the content marketer's role in these types of jobs is to be able to decipher the technical jargony language into layman's terms and be able to, in a way, be a translator of sorts of like, okay, you're telling me all this highly technical stuff. Here's what the average person who's in this like purchasing decision seat needs to know in order to make an informed decision. And like, here's, let me say this to you in language you can understand. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of great resources out there that can teach people how to do that. I don't think it's something that happens overnight. I would say don't rush out and like go get a certification or like invest in a huge program (laughs) or anything. But, you know, look to resources like like HubSpot and Content Marketing Institute and you can get a pretty good crash course on on how these marketing teams work and like what are the nuts and bolts of how this whole process and machination works behind the scenes. So, you know kind of what you're trying to accomplish. There's so much free information out there. I say just look for that first rather than buying some expensive college course or there's so many things out there you can buy, but there's lots of good free stuff. That's how I did it. I would just Google, 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 you know, read as much as I could frantically almost like try to get myself up to speed. And yeah, it works. I think we can end possibly on like, the the reminder that if you're listening to this and you're like, this does not sound that much like that much fun, 
then like that's perfectly fine. There are tons of areas of the business world that need writers and there's like a diverse array. So this is just like one way lots of writers are are finding like a, a good spot in this world. And, and that's why we bring it up today. Right. There's definitely a need for freelance writers in the B2B software as a service space. It's going to be much more challenging to land a project with something like a local business or even a medium-sized business, a nonprofit, something like that, because they're just not as used to working with freelance writers as these type of companies are. And that's probably the bottom line here, why so many people lean into this, this niche in particular is because there's a huge need for it and there's budget. So it may be for you, it might not. But if you're curious about it, hopefully this was kind of a good primer on things to know and things to think about. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com. Thank you.